Pucks with Ags is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. As always, Joe Haggerty here, your hockey scribe, hockey writer. Uh, you can find my work at uh, substack.joehaggerty.com and among a, um, a bunch of different places, but uh, also on CLNS, obviously, with the Pucks with Hags podcast, uh, talking all things Bruins, hockey, pop culture, whatever uh, you guys want to throw at me. And we're going to have a mailbag edition uh, of the Pucks with Hags podcast today. So I'm going to be answering your questions from Facebook, uh, Twitter, all of the social media streams. Uh, but first, I'd like to give a little bit of love to uh, the sponsors for Pucks with Hags podcast. First, there's FanDuel, uh, FanDuel Sportsbook, uh, where you can get a $1,000 back bonus bet if you don't first win your first bet. Uh, right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. They are the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Network. Um, so visit fanduel.com slash Boston and get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's fanduel.com slash Boston. And then we also have factor meals. Uh, I love factor meals. Uh, it takes, uh, two minutes to make the meals. Um, you'll save time. You'll eat well and stay track on reaching any dietary goals. You have factor meals is America's number one ready to eat meal kit. Um, I, I love the stuff there. They've got nice variety as far as the foods that they provide you with. And uh, they're healthy, which my wife always loves, even if I uh, argue with her about what we eat and don't always go for the healthy option. But that's okay. Uh, call uh, Head to factormeals.com slash HAGS50 and you use code HAGS50 to get 50% off your first box. That's factormeals.com slash HAGS50 to get 50% off your first box at Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. It gets the Hags two thumbs up, double salute, seal of approval. All right, now that we've got the sponsorships out of the way and the good folks that are letting us talk hockey uh, have gotten their love, I'm going to start uh, ripping through some questions on social media and start answering some things. Usually this part of the Pucks with Hags podcast, the beginning of the show, we kind of go over like things that are happening in the news with the uh, the Boston Bruins and the NHL. And, you know, since the, the Stanley Cup was awarded to the Vegas Golden Knights and uh, we're in a lull uh, with the NHL draft and the NHL awards happening next week, it's kind of that limbo period where there's not a lot going on. Uh, more than actual hard news with the Bruins and things we can sink our teeth into and really talk about. Uh, what we have right now is a lot of people on Twitter uh, hinting that they really know things and they're hearing things about what's going to happen with the Bruins and that these big wild changes are in store, but they're not actually saying anything about these changes because it's not their story to tell. It sounds like there's a lot of Twitter insiders out there that really have no idea what's going on and are trying to, you know, gain followers and gain clout by like trying to say that these huge things happening with the Bruins without actually giving any specifics. I mean, that's pretty easy to do. Um, it's obvious the Bruins are going to make changes. There's no question about that. I think Don Sweeney said as much uh, a month, more than a month ago at his end of season media availability, he said there's going to be changes to the roster based on less than $5 million in salary cap space based on the fact that right now signed for next year, they've got surpluses at the defenseman and goaltending spots uh, while they have just seven forwards signed for next season to NHL contracts. So uh, obviously some things are going to have to happen, especially 
uh, with David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron's status still up in the air right now. And a lot of balls that they're uh, juggling the Boston Bruins management up in the air. So they're going to have to pursue every avenue. They're going to have to get creative. They're going to have to figure out some trades that are actually going to open up some salary cap space. And that means not only buyouts, that means probably trading a player or two that's been with this team for a long time and is part of their core group because they have to change things up. Not only to change what was a very disappointing end of the postseason with the first round exit at the hands of the Florida Panthers, but because of the salary cap as well. So, but they're going to be smart about it because I think it's just going to be one year of salary cap pain. And then after that, they're going to be, they're going to have a lot more salary cap space. The salary cap is projected to go up about eight or $9 million once the escrow is over for the COVID years and, and the players are back uh, done paying back the owners uh, for the money they were fronted while uh, attendance was down and while uh, there were no fans in the buildings during the COVID time. So the Bruins just have to get through this one season of salary cap pain, of, of difficult decisions, uh, and then they're going to have tons of room to deal with. They're going to have uh, tons of cap space, tons of options, and the ability to really, you know, move some things around and, and retain a lot of pieces and and continue to build uh, and maintain this Stanley Cup contending team. Uh, so, uh, you know, people that look at it and say there's going to be a total rebuild or some kind of reconstruction, just I don't think that's realistic. I think what we're looking at is probably trading some players out, bringing some other players in, getting creative with the cap, and then next year sort of dealing with the reality of what they have and then, you know, building on the team that they have. So I, I, it's not as dire as some people would make you believe the salary cap situation that faces the Bruins. It's a little dire for this year, but, you know, a temporary cap situation that's going to relieve itself a year from now or alleviate uh, a year from now is really not uh, that that dire uh, a circumstance. And I think it, it gives Don Sweeney and, and his staff a lot of uh, room to make some decisions here. Okay. Let's get to some of the questions here uh, before I ramble on more about the Bruin salary cap uh, situation. Jeez. I could talk about that all day. Okay. Uh, from Facebook, Jeff Hill, none of the rentals should come back. We were fine except for toughness and none of them gave us what we needed to be tough. Now, I mean, Dimitri Olav wasn't really brought in to bring toughness. I actually thought he was very good. They just uh, some websites have him ranked as the number one available free agent uh, when UFA uh, free agency sweepstakes start on July first. So I, I just don't think the Bruins, given that they have a ton of defensemen, given they don't have a ton of cap space, they are not going to be in the market or the position to be able to pay Dim Dimitri Orlov to keep him. Uh, if all things were equal, I think they would love to keep him because it wasn't about toughness with him. It was about moving the puck. It was about creating offense. It was about at times that shot in his passing and in his willingness to, you know, rove a little bit at times from the defenseman position. Sometimes he found himself in odd spots on the ice for a defenseman, but it was because he was thinking creatively and he was really pursuing the offense. And I think that meshes really well with what Jim Montgomery is doing with the defenseman. So I think they would have loved to have had Dmitry Orlov back. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, he brought toughness. Toughness isn't just running people through the boards and breaking glass Milan Lucic style uh, when he destroyed Mike Van Rin, which, by the way, my son has watched a million times on YouTube and is trying to do that as we speak as a nine-year-old squirt, and I'm trying to ease him back a little bit. Um, but that's not toughness. I mean, it's tough, obviously. Milan Lucic is a tough guy. That was an amazing hit. And, you know, body checking and physicality is a big part of it, fighting, all that stuff. But isn't toughness getting in front of the net 
and, and going to those danger areas to get offense, winning battles against defensemen that are trying to take your head off and cross-check you in the back. Uh, isn't that what Tyler Bertuzzi was great at in the postseason and down the stretch for the Bruins, especially on the power play, getting to the front of the net, getting uh, to pucks, scoring, uh, making things happen, creating chaos in front of the net. Um, that's toughness all over the place in my book. That's one of the toughest things you can do as an NHL player is go to somewhere where you know guys are going to be shooting 100-mile-an-hour shots at you uh, and any puck could hit you in the face uh, after a bad bounce at any time. Uh, and he's just going there willingly fighting the battle, getting to pucks, creating offense. Um, I, I think there's a ton of uh, viable reasons why the Boston Bruins would like to have Tyler Bertuzzi back. And really, it's going to come down to salary cap space, um, how much they're going to be able to move prior to free agency and free up in order to have cap space to sign a player like that who's going to command, you know, five to six million dollars a year on the open market after uh, the way he played in the playoffs and the fact he's one year removed from scoring 30 goals. So I think the Bruins would like to have Tyler Bertuzzi back. And I think there's a good chance they could retain him uh, if he's not looking for every last nickel uh, that's on the table. Um, And then you have Garnet Hathaway, who interestingly enough, I kind of wrote off as no shot. He was coming back because I didn't think he had a great postseason for the Bruins. He was not a really a physical presence. Uh, at one point, I remember he got hurt because he got speared by, uh, I think it was Matthew Kachuk, um, during the Florida series. He just didn't bring the same level of toughness and physicality and didn't influence the series in the postseason like he did at points during the regular season. And I just don't think he was at his best. Uh, and like, you know, a, a third, fourth line forward like him is a luxury item. You know, he's going to get. to $2 million a year on a contract for at least a couple of years, two or three years. The only other guy they went over two years for uh, that's kind of a fourth line player, energy player like him was Chris Wagner. And they ended up burying him in the AHL for the last two years of that contract when they signed him to a three-year deal. Um, And obviously that didn't work out. So I don't expect the Bruins to go down that road where they're going to overpay or even pay market value for guys that are third, fourth liners, especially the fourth line. I think they'd much rather either bring in young players or, um, you know, try to find value under undervalued players out there that they can bring in. And I think Don Sweeney has been very good at that. The, you know, the Riley Nash's of the world over the years, the Thomas, no, six, those kind of guys, they seem to have a, a, a good track record for finding those guys, signing to really short money and getting productive, good, you know, two, one or two seasons out of them as fourth liners. So, um, you know, I didn't think they'd be going for Garnet Hathaway for all those reasons, but it looks like, uh, they are interested in him. Reports say they'd like to keep him too. Um, and I understand why he's a prototypical Bruins type player. He grew up in Maine. You know, he went to Brown. He played at Phillips uh, Andover. Like there, there's a lot of connections and a lot of reasons why you would want to keep a guy like that. I think he's just good for the locker room too. And, and the way he plays uh, is, is Bruin style. In your face, I'm going to pound you with physicality. I'm going to pound you on the forecheck. I'm going to come at you. And he can add a little bit of offense as well. So you know, if the Bruins create a ton of cap space with with a blockbuster move or two, maybe he comes back. But, you know, I'm not going to write him off just because the toughness wasn't there so much uh, in the playoffs, Jeff. So let's take it easy on the rentals. I think at least they'd like to keep at least one out of three, maybe two out of three, and find other ways to bring some toughness uh, into this organization, into this team, even more toughness than they already have. Like, I, I, I'm with you that 
Florida showed more toughness in that playoff series against them in the first round. That's why Florida made it all the way to the Stanley Cup final and the Bruins were out in the first round. And they'd love to have a guy like Matthew Kachuk and that level of toughness. But, you know, those guys don't exactly grow on trees. Well, with the NBA playoffs over and the Stanley Cup playoffs over, Major League Baseball is now in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the baseball action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's right. The exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS network. Uh, right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to fanduel.com slash Boston to join uh, today. You know, it, it's I love FanDuel. Uh, great promotions every day beyond the no sweat first bets. Safe and secure app uh, that you can use. It's really easy to navigate around and to find exactly what you want to bet on. You get paid instantly when you do actually win, uh, whether you're betting on the pathetic Red Sox or not. Uh, I'll leave that up to you. Uh, but don't miss your first chance to snag a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you sign up for FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash Boston to sign up. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. It's 21 plus and present in Massachusetts to do FanDuel first online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Uh, all right. Let's get off the Bertuzzi kick already. Yeah, all right. Sounds good, Mike. Uh, we cannot afford him. So it's time to talk about something that could happen and not things that won't. And that's from Mike Harnish on Facebook. Uh, thank you, Mike. Let's get off the Tyler Bertuzzi thing. Um, I, what I would like to do. And uh, somebody else later on in the list asked me what my plan was. And I think they were being a wise ass, but that's okay. I will tell you what I, I think my plan is going to be. Um, David, let's say David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron, because there were some whispers out there that at least some Bruins players are not anticipating that either one of them is going to be back. So let's say they're both not coming back, even though I think Bergeron may end up coming back. Um, I like Ryan O'Reilly. Unrestricted free agent, 32 years old, was great for Toronto when he uh, got the, came there as a rental trade from St. Louis. Obviously outplayed Bergeron in the 2019 Stanley Cup final when uh, he, you know, the, the Blues won the cup. Uh, and really, I think in a lot of ways would be a great sort of transition from Bergeron to the next generation of who's going to be their young, you know, franchise center uh, a few years down the road when they start to finally get some of their draft picks back and they can build up the cupboard, uh, the prospect cupboard a little bit more. I think Ryan O'Reilly would fit the bill and, you know, he's not going to break the bank as far as money that he's going to make. Obviously if he's a UFA, you're going to have to, you know, pay him a, a premium amount, but we're talking about an older player. He didn't have a great season. He was banged up and injured this year. He's a little bit depreciated as an asset. So you'll probably get him for less money than you think you would. Um, and, and I think that's the kind of player you could go out there and get and plug him in and let him be your number one center and be very Bergeron-like with the way that he plays and is a great leader on the ice, uh, leader by example. And, and he can kind of fill some of the massive void that is going to be there when Patrice Bergeron's not there anymore. And that would allow you to slide Pavel Zaka down to the number two center spot, slide Charlie Coyle down to the three center spot, 
if indeed both those players are still with the Bruins after you're done moving and shaking and, 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 you know, changing up the, uh, the makeup of your core group. Uh, and I think that's what they need to do uh, moving forward. I, I think they do need to find some kind of number one center option that is going to allow those other two players to kind of play down the lineup and be more in their, you know, true spots. I think a guy like Ryan O'Reilly could do that for two or three years and kind of put off the decision that you have to make or the project that you have as far as trying to find an eventual replacement for Bergeron, which is not going to be easy and is probably going to take a lot of centers that you're going to try to draft and develop over the next few years before you hit on somebody. Um, And he's certainly not going to be Patrice Bergeron, but somebody that could eventually be that number one center of the future, because I just frankly don't think organizationally they have that player right now. So, you know, that would be my plan. Um, And we'll see what else comes of it. If, you know, the Bruins are able to maybe take advantage of the fire sale that seems to be in the midst of happening in Calgary where players don't want to play there anymore. And they may have to, you know, bite the bullet and start to rebuild and and maybe guys like Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin all of a sudden become available. And, you know, maybe some massive deal, is out there for the Boston Bruins to make. Um, certainly, I think the Bruins would be interested in both of those players. They have one more year left, and then their UFAs, and that plays into what I said before about you know trying to find bargains out there for the next year, get through the salary cap pain for the next season, and then you're going to have all kinds of cap space to potentially sign both of those players if you traded for them and you got them um, this last year before they hit free agency and. You know, as far as Noah Hannafin goes, like, let's face it, uh, the Bruins have wanted him since 2015. You know, that was the guy that uh, the Boston Bruins accumulated all those first round picks in the middle of the first round to try to trade up to get Noah Hannafin from from where they were in the first round. Uh, It ended up falling apart. They didn't move up. They had to trade, uh, make three selections in a row in the middle of the first round that they maybe weren't even quite ready to make at that particular time. And that's when they obviously selected Jakobs Borl as the best next available defenseman, Jake DeBrusque, who has turned out to be a, a good player, obviously, and has been worth that first round value, in my opinion. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and we all know what happened with Zach Sinition as the third uh, of those first round picks. He was a bust, like a nice kid, but uh, like was not worth a first round pick you know, probably was was a player they were going to take maybe in the second round or, you know, later on in the draft. And then when they were rushed into making these three first round picks, they threw his name out there. And we all know the story, missed out on Matt Barzal, missed out on Travis Konechny, missed out on, you know, uh, go down the list, Brock Besser. Uh, there's a lot of great players. There's a list of about seven or eight great players that they missed out on. Uh instead taking Zach Sinition, and it was a massive uh, brain fart by the Boston Bruins uh, decision makers at that point, since they have since admitted they made a mistake. But bottom line, I think it would be a full circle moment for the Boston Bruins if they could go out and get a guy like Hannafin, and it's part of a, a, a remaking of their back end, you know, and of their defenseman core. Um you know, maybe they trade a guy like Matt Grizzlick away and uh, free up some cap space there. And they bring in a guy like Noah Hannafin and it starts to turn into more of a six foot one, six foot two, 210 pound defenseman core just across the board or bigger, you know, like the defenseman core that won in the cup in Vegas this year, like the defenseman core uh, that won in Tampa a couple of times. I think the Bruins are finally starting to realize 
um, that as much as they like guys like Tory Krug and Matt Grizzlick, that they're not winning cups with undersized defensemen like that. And the teams that are winning, the teams that are going deep into the postseason, have massive, strong, physical defenseman cores where none of them are undersized and can be taken advantage of around the net. And they're just a wall defensively when the going gets tough uh, in the postseason when, you know, only the brave go to the net and only the brave go to the net because there's defensemen that are going to take your head off when you go down there. And because those teams have defensemen like that. So, you know, I, I think there are a lot of signs pointing towards Calgary making sense as a trade partner for the Bruins based on the players that might be available, based on uh, the situation that they have now, and based on what the Bruins are looking for and what they need as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But that's, I think, something to keep an eye on uh, moving forward. All right. Uh, next question. What are they going to do have to do to fill that fourth line with kids? What they're going to have to do is fill that fourth line with kids from Providence, making the league minimum. They spend way too much money on fourth line players every year. That's Al Valenti on Facebook. Uh, I agree. You know, I, I think especially this coming year, I, I think there's just because of the circumstances, I think there's probably going to be some players in that everyday lineup that might not normally be there and probably wouldn't be there uh, on a, an extremely deep, NHL team prepping for a Stanley cup run simply based on their uh, salary cap situation. You know, I, I think Oscar Steen's on a one-way contract. I think he may end up getting a long look uh, this year and he's somebody that's tracking uh, to at least get a chance as a fourth liner. You know, he's like, I think 700,000 on the salary cap. Uh, it's a really low cap hit. Jakob uh, um, Lauko, Jacob Lauko, I think he's also a guy that's going to be definitely in the mix for a fourth line role and, and is similarly, uh, you know, bare minimum contract, young guy. Um, and he's shown, I think, that he can play and be a fourth liner in the NHL and be a pretty good one. Uh, at times last year, I think he proved that. So I think he's earned a, a shot this year, a, a lengthy shot uh, to see if he can carve out a niche and even maybe, you know, move up in the lineup and become more of an impact player. I think he's shown flashes of that. And I think Mark McLaughlin's another guy, the pride of Bill Ricca, that uh, should and would and, and will get a shot this year and will get long looks. And, you know, let's face it, like the, the makeup of the team last year probably didn't allow for it. No sick uh, they had invested in as, as their fourth line center. But I thought Mark McLaughlin earned the right to be that fourth line center the way he played in training camp last year. And I think a player like that uh, is going to be in the mix. So you could see, you know, three of those young guys potentially on the fourth line this year, if they really have to go sort of for rock bottom, bare minimum contracts, uh, maybe one of them is, is a 13th forward. I personally would love to see, um, I don't want to see all the Calgary flames come to Boston, but I personally would like to see Milan Lucic come back to Boston, you know, sign for the, uh, as little as he uh, feels comfortable signing for, uh, and the Bruins can get him for and be the 13th forward fourth liner guys that play guy that plays when they need toughness, you know, in and out of the lineup, but, you know, probably ends up playing more than you would expect him to and, and be that guy uh, that could also add some veteran presence, some toughness, uh, some intimidation, you know, all of that uh, as a part of their fourth line and a part of their forward group. Uh, and I think it would be an awesome full circle thing for him. Uh, to be part of the centennial for the Bruins, uh, given how much he meant to the organization, especially if they're going to lose, if they're going to lose that link to their recent past historically with Bergeron and Krejci, you know, not being around for the centennial year. I still think Bergeron might be around for the centennial, uh, hundred year celebration of the Boston Bruins. It makes too much sense for me to 
for him to play his 20th year in the NHL, NHL, the hundredth year of the Boston Bruins. Uh, but we could ponder about Patrice Bergeron's future forever. Uh, while we're thinking about that, let's uh, give a little love and a pause uh, on the, the mailbag. And we're going to give a little love to FanDuel uh, uh, one more time. Exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS network. Uh, right now, new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, uh, visit fanduel.com slash Boston and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's fanduel.com slash Boston. Um, you know, uh, I, I think I'd wager that Milan Lucic would be excellent uh, back with the Boston Bruins. Don't you think so, FanDuel? Um, let's see. Next question. We talking a rebuild kind of move or gathering more win now pieces for another run from not a ginger at displaced Scott on Twitter. Uh, no, we're not talking a rebuild. We're not talking ripping it down. They're too good. And we've talked about this before. They're too good not to make the playoffs next year, even if they don't have Bergeron and Krejci back. Look at the way that um, Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyle as the top two centers played in that series against the Florida Panthers before Patrice Bergeron came back in game five. They had the Panthers on the rope with those two guys as your centers in Florida for games three and four. Like, this is not desperate straights. You could get by with those two. You still have a ton of talent on the wings. David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, Jake DeBrusque, you know, goes on and on. And you've got Hampus Lindholm and Charlie McAvoy headlining your back end, uh, a one and one A, where everybody's going to slot in afterwards. But those guys are going to play, you know, 30 minutes a night, 25 minutes a night, every single night. And you've got the goaltending that they have. You know, they're just too good not to make the playoffs. They're, they're just, uh, even if, you know, they have some uh, cheap fourth-line players, affordable young fourth-line players like we talked about, they've still got too much talent in the rest of their lineup, and they're still going to be that good where they're going to be able to be in the postseason. Now, are they going to be Stanley Cup contenders? No. Are they going to be, like, setting records like they did last year? Absolutely not. But I think they're good enough, even in improving uh, Atlantic Division and Eastern Conference, I still think they're good enough to make the playoffs with the group that they have, at least for this next coming year, as they sort of retool. And that's what it is. It's a retooling. You know, this is not a, a rebuild. Clearly, they've got some work to do at the center position, right? They've got to bring some players on. They've got to find maybe stopgap players like Ryan O'Reilly that I mentioned, and they've got to find younger solutions uh, across the league. This is where Shane Wright comes in. Uh, I had written about him as a, you know, would. Would Seattle be looking to move a player like that uh, if you were going to send them Linus Allmark in some kind of a trade package if they're looking for goaltending? And it would obviously take more than that. But like that kind of player is going to be out there, and that may be the direction that they have to go to get their young franchise center um, of the future. Uh, and that's they should be making these moves simultaneously, right? Um, they should be finding a veteran that's going to be able to come in and fill in for Bergeron uh, and what he, if he does retire is uh, what's no longer going to be there. Nobody's going to fill that, but at least, at least give you some facsimile of Patrice Bergeron and his great two-way play at the center position while simultaneously sort of building up these options of players that you might have to trade for. If you can't draft and develop your own uh, franchise center, number one center and, you know, with the Bruins not having number one or second round picks for the next couple of years and, you know, through 2026, 
Um, it, it's not likely they're going to draft and develop a franchise center over the next couple of years unless they can replenish those draft picks. So they're going to have to be thinking creatively with trades um, for a young guy um, in addition to, to looking to what the emergency situation is to replace that, that void right now. Um, so they're going to have to be working on two different tracks, uh, but it's not a rebuild. It, not at all. And I don't think the Bruins, let, let's face it, the Bruins fans would not stomach a rebuild. Um, I don't think Bruins ownership wants a rebuild. Bruins management, I think if it gets to that point, I don't know that they're going to, you know, sit around through that. I don't know that Cam Neely and Don Sweeney want to preside over a rebuilding of the Boston Bruins. Certainly, I don't think they're going to be doing that in the 100-year centennial uh, of the organization. We're, we're talking about a retooling. We're talking about probably changing some of the core group because I think they've identified that maybe at times the not enough battles are being won in the playoffs. Maybe at times some players are not rising to the occasion. Maybe at times some of those players are looking more nervous than, uh, you know, ready to step up and lead and, and uh, be in, impact players at the moment. And, and I think that needs to change. I think some of the DNA of the core group absolutely needs to change. And there are going to have to be changes made, uh, because of that, but it's not going to be a complete makeover of the team. I still think guys like Charlie McAvoy, David Pasternak, Brad Marsh, and I think those kind of guys are still going to be here and rightfully so. So uh, don't worry, not a ginger, uh, not going to be huge wholesale changes. With Riley, Mike Riley not bought out yet, although could still be. Do you think he is still working? Don Sweeney still working on trading him with a pick instead. I thought he would have been the first b's buyout from brian a at four on or on twitter would the would the bruins like to trade mike riley yes i mean they would have liked to have traded mike riley last year they put him on waivers twice and nobody picked him up last year they're not going to be able to trade mike riley the only way they would be able to trade mike riley is if they were paying another team off with a first round pick a, pro, a top prospect some valued asset and the problem is they don't have the dra the draft picks collateral um, to to pay off a team to take his cap hit. Like it's not going to happen. I I, I you know some people are uh, going to be optimistic that maybe that you know you can get the Coyotes to eat more salary cap space and and take a player on like Mike Riley. It's not going to happen. I I just don't see it. I, I it's it it's not in the cards for the Bruins. They don't have the assets to do it. I don't think any teams want Mike Riley out there. Uh, I think that's been proven out with the fact that he's been on the waiver wire. And uh, I think they are going to eventually have to buy him out. They have some time to make the decision and there's no rush on it. And I think, you know, things will probably happen simultaneously. Now, if they make a huge deal with a team, and we talked about Calgary as being a possibility with uh, Lindholm and, and Hannafin, you know, maybe there's some massive deal out there where they can make something work, where they include Mike Riley's contract. Is that in the realm of possibility? I think it certainly is. But are you going to find a team that wants to take on Mike Riley and is going to take him on? And, you know, it's going to just, you know, you're going to get a draft pick back for him or it's going to be some like one for one little trade. No, it's not going to happen. The only way it would happen is if, they had to force a team to take him and it was like a deal breaker and the other team really wanted to make the trade. And I just don't see that as a circumstance. I think the still the most likely scenario for Mike Riley and what's going to happen to him is it's a buyout and it's a cap penalty for two years. It's a minimal cap penalty this year. It's a little heavier next year, but it's really not that 
it's not that uh, prohibitive. It's not something that would make you think twice about it. I really think the only problem here is, you know, uh, the GM having to go to his owner and saying, I want you to pay this player to not play for us. I don't think any NHL owner wants to hear that. I certainly don't think Delaware North and the Jacobs family wants to hear that, nor should they, you know, it's a reflection on it being a bad contract signing and a bad uh, move by, by the general manager. So, but I still think the buyout is the most likely uh, way to go. Uh, what's the word on a big Bruins trade rumor from Brad at Dolphins GM 2019 on Twitter? Well, Brad, we kind of just went through this. I think the Calgary Flames is the biggest one. I, I think that is the one that makes the most sense. I think that is the one that includes the the players that the Bruins would be most interested in. You know, the Bruins don't make a secret of the guys that they really like. And the decision makers are still in place now that really liked Noah Hannafin back in 2015. I think, you know, he's a Massachusetts kid. He went to Boston College. I think there's a lot of – and he, he's turned into a really good defenseman. He averaged over 22 minutes a game um, for Calgary, was a plus player on a Calgary team that was kind of mediocre. Um, his offense has, has gotten to a pretty good level. I think he was like, you know, seven goals, 31 points, somewhere in there. And he's big. You know, like, he he checks a ton of boxes as the Bruins want to make over their back end as to somebody that could really uh, mesh and fit in with that group. Um so I think that's the one that I look at now saying that Calgary makes the most sense. Their players, the, the probably the ones that most intrigue the Bruins, like yada, yada, yada. How many times, and I give Don Sweeney all the credit in the world for this. How many times have we heard names out there and everybody's reported on those names? And it seemed like a foregone conclusion that those names are going to get traded to Boston. Sometimes it happens. Taylor Hall was a guy that, Everybody saw that coming and it did come to fruition. But how many times are we talking about these trades and these players and that the Bruins are working on these deals and then they come out of nowhere with the Dmitry Orlov, Garnet Hathaway, Washington Capitals trade that absolutely nobody saw coming. Nobody saw the Capitals selling players. Nobody saw those players coming to Boston. Like nobody was reporting on that. And we came out of the blue. Don Sweeney is in stealth mode a lot more with these kind of trades. Uh, particularly significant ones. And I think it may be one of those situations where we are not even talking about the players that they want. And, you know, the only ones uh, that are in the know are Don Sweeney and the GM that he's talking to. Certainly, you know, hockey insider 007 on Twitter is not the guy uh, that knows what's going on. Even though he says, I'm hearing crazy things for the Bruins. It's not my story to tell, but I know this unbelievable move. And if they pull this off, it's going to be, yeah. Okay, buddy. Yeah, you know, name a name. Okay. What are you protecting? Who cares if it's your story to tell or not? Who are you? Nobody knows who you are. Just throw it out there if if you really know what's going on. But and they won't do it. So that kind of tells you where that uh whole story is coming from. But I getting back to the point, I, I I'm I get the sneaking suspicion that we have no idea the team that they're talking to or the players that are involved, because that's just the way Don Sweeney rolls. And I think we won't find out until much closer to the draft, to free agency, to all of the big things that are happening uh, with the NHL. And wouldn't that be fun? You know, I, I, I'm looking for, I've, it's gotten to the point <clears throat> as Don Sweeney's gone on here in his stewardship of the Boston Bruins as being the GM, it's really gotten to the point where I kind of look forward to these trade deadlines, these free agency periods uh, to see what he has up his sleeve and to see what he and Evan Gold and the rest of that group have up their sleeve because they've done some amazing work 
You know, uh, Peter Shirelli was uh, famous once for saying, you know, you don't win the Stanley Cup at the trade deadline um, because he was not great at the trade deadline. And that was not one of his strengths. And I think Don Sweeney has proved the opposite. Like his, the trade deadline has become one of his calling cards. Free agency has always been a time where he has made strong moves. Yes, he's made some mistakes. There's no question about it. But he's also made moves like when he signed Linus Allmark, which has turned out to be a, a great free agent signing that I frankly didn't think was a good signing at the time. Um, you know, and, but the trade for Taylor Hall, the trade for Hampus Lindholm, the trade for Hathaway and Orlov, the trade for Tyler Bertuzzi, there are a ton of uh, examples of evidence of him like crushing it at the trade deadline. And uh, that just goes on and on. And it's really become uh, one of his many strengths along with getting players to sign for less than their value. And, you know, uh, just building uh, a really good sort of machine uh, that's been churning out wins and points and playoff bids uh, here in Boston uh, for most of his time running the team. Um, All right. Last question here. Why haven't the Bruins given Krejci and Bergeron a decision date on whether they continue to play or whether the Bruins still want Krejci? Uh, Charlie V, Charles Viglon one on Twitter. Uh, Patrice Bergeron told us back in May that he would be telling the Bruins in June what he intended on doing and what his future was going to be. I, I, he's not going to wait until after free agency to tell them what's going on. Um, cause they have other plans they have to make and they have to have contingencies in place if he's not going to play. So I would expect that we're going to hear pretty soon from him on what his plans are going to be. And maybe he doesn't even know yet, but I think he's going to have to make that decision soon. Um, but I think the fact that it's waited this long means he's really seriously thinking about it. David Krejci, I, I feel like at some point we're going to hear and, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll have some kind of press conference and, um, you know, it'll be a nice send off because he deserves it. He was, he's been an all time Bruins. Great. And, uh, you know, a fantastic center and, you know, one of the best players in franchise history, but I, I really, I got the sense talking to him at the end of the season that it was tough on his family. It was tough on him. Uh, he was banged up a lot physically, like, even though he put up good numbers, he had a great end of the playoff and, uh, playoff series. I thought he was very good, um, for the most part, certainly game seven. I thought he was excellent. Um, and it's going to be a tough ending for him that being his last game in a Boston Bruins uniform, but I do not expect him uh, to be back. And I think the Bruins are kind of running under that assumption. I think when they signed Pavel Zaka uh, to his contract extension and, you know, we're continuously last year working on faceoffs and, and putting him at center and sort of getting him ready. That was them readying him for this year when he's going to take over for David Krejci as the number two center. And I, I think that continues. So uh, not very surprising there. Um, that's it for the mailbag this week. Uh, some great questions. Uh, we will have an excellent pucks with hags podcast next week. I'll be down in Nashville at the draft. Maybe we'll grab somebody, uh, at the draft and we'll do an actual podcast on site with one of the movers and shakers down there, uh, to talk about all things Bruins and some of the moves that they have coming. But before I go, just want to give one more shout out, uh, to FanDuel, uh, our sponsors and factor meals, but first FanDuel, um, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS network. Uh, right now, customers can get a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if first bet doesn't win. Let's also give, some, give a shout out to Factor Meals. Uh, Factor's fresh, never frozen meals, ready in just two minutes. Uh, surf and turf, surf 
and surf meal options, roasted garlic, filet mignon, and shrimp, Cajun spiced shrimp and salmon, healthy meals, vegan meals, snacks, breakfast meals. Uh, the fact that it is made in just two minutes and it's restaurant quality, I think is awesome. Uh, and there's also a bunch of other cool stuff that they do. Uh, but the bottom line is you head to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use code hags50 to get 50% off your first box. That's factormeals.com slash hags50 to get 50% off your first box. A great deal for Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. That is all for the Pucks with Hags podcast this week. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week, full bore with a guest. It will be a fun conversation. But for now... We'll see you at the ring.